All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here this Wednesday. It's September 28th, 2022. Good to see you all a little bit early today for the live show here. Uh, it is Wednesday. That's when we do no-go zone. And we're going to dive into the situation in the Baltic here with the uh, Nord Stream explosions, what uh, at least to me <laughs> looks like a pretty a pretty ob obvious uh, sabotage uh, event. In, in fact, I'd, I'd call it terrorism. Uh, that's what it would be classified if it was in any other kind of scenario. Well, look, it's still early. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, with like two minutes, I'm not saying this is on par with 9-11, but I'm saying, well, actually, in terms of what could happen as an, as an outcome of it, it could very well be. It's too early to tell. We'll see. Uh, but in terms of like how quickly they acted in uh, deeming that an act of terrorism, uh, it was the, the whole package was kind of ready to go, uh, if you will. But we'll see. Um, I'm sure it will be spun and the usual suspects, who I think uh, yet again have a very, uh, you know, kind of a, it's very obvious, I think, at least to me, uh, who's behind it and who is seeking to benefit from them. Uh, and of course, they're going to seek to shift, uh, you know, blame and deflect it uh, onto their enemies. And uh, this will be a potentially devastating uh, consequence here both for the uh, energy supply for Europe, uh, but uh, there will also be potentially more escalation in terms of the uh, war effort as a consequence of this if they manage to control the narrative enough around this event. So anyway, that's what we're going to dive into. Uh, then we have a couple of things lined up a little bit later too in the show. We'll see if we get to that or not. This is the main story. Uh, it happened yesterday, uh, the 27th of September, 2022. And today, in fact, it is the... Uh, 28th anniversary of the sinking, I say sinking, not the uh, uh, cap, cap, capsa capsation, what do you call it in English again? Capsace, we call it in, in Swedish anyway. Uh, the sinking, I call it the sinking of the MS Estonia, uh, where about 850 people or so died. And um, uh, yet again, I think there's uh, ample evidence, and we've done shows on this in the past to su suggest that this was a uh, kind of a deeper geopolitical agenda behind the sinking of that, depending on, well, A, what was on board, or two, who was on board, or maybe a combination of both. And uh, there has been a long-standing agenda to try to control the Baltic uh, by NATO and by American military. And there's been escalations in this region, uh, and this is, I think, adds, adds on to that picture as well. Uh, especially now when Finland and Sweden is going to unfortunately come in under the wing of NATO even more. But anyway, we'll get we'll get into the weeds here of this. There's plenty to talk about. So, uh, what should we say first? Well, if you uh, have uh, some thoughts you want to uh, convey my way here during the show, entropystream.live slash TV. That's one of the uh, good methods you can use for Super Chats. We also have uh, Rumble and Odyssey up. And those are open as well for that. So we're going to dive in here and uh, look at some of the footage here that came out first. This is from the uh, this is the Danish uh, military here. I thought it was a uh, Swedish first, uh, but this is the Danish military who uh, <coughs> caught this. Um, and there was early, you know, kind of indications that. Uh, uh, there was some kind of uh, explosion that, that took place, and this has, of course, been way too, um, you know, too, too obvious, right? It's it's been so obvious, in fact, that this is that, that this is you know an explosion and and, and a man-made one and not an accident. Uh, that at least today we've gotten some headlines 
uh, out from um, you know the UK intelligence, but of course Denmark and Sweden mentioned it even yesterday and said this is, looks to be a, a, a deliberate attack. There's no question about that. This is not an accident, right? Uh, the Sun had a, a story on this too. Uh, immediately, of course, the blame was shifted onto Putin and Russia. And as we go through here, the show, you have to keep that in mind of like, well, who see, who seeks to benefit the most? Who who stands to gain uh, from this situation? And in fact, when it comes to uh, Russia and Putin, if they wanted to stop gas to Europe, they could have simply just uh, cut it off as they did uh, from their end. We have some clips with Putin later talking about this, too. I think it's frankly absurd. It, it, is it is it totally impossible? No, <laughs> you know you always got to leave the door open. But I think it's the usual suspects, and we'll get into that, right? Uh, but they had some uh, photos of this uh, as well. Some of the military. Denmark revealed a picture of the leak taken from above, showing the sea uh, writhing. Is that the name? Writhing with gas. And of course, this is. I mean, even environmentally, right? This is uh, eco terrorism. You could call it right. Essentially. Uh, here's the map of where this is. They call it a, a gas leak here on the sun, but that's of course not uh, not accurate. This is a uh, well. Now it's a gas leak, but it's an <laughs> intention intentional explosion uh, that took place. And we did have some uh, military activity in the area as well. We'll take a look at that in, in a little bit. It's very close close to the uh, Danish island island of Bornholm. Beautiful place, by the way, Bornholm. Lovely island, not too far away from from Sweden. Now this is in international waters, but of course it's you know it's equally close to uh, Poland as it is to Denmark. Uh, it's close to to, to Sweden as well. Uh, to be honest, it's right right in that region. Nord Stream. Now there was two explosions, and Nord Stream one had all already been kind of decommissioned. Nord Stream two was still actually sending gas. That's of course why it's still bubbling up. And you have to understand a little bit the backdrop to this as well. We did a did a video in the latest Weekend Warrior show, or a segment, I should say, in the latest Weekend Warrior show about the energy crisis and the manufactured energy crisis on top of that. The Ukraine-Russia situation have, of course, played beautifully into this, be it intentional or not, those who seek to kind of uh, take us towards the uh, the net zero kind of agenda and rehauling the whole energy system have jumped on this opportunity and say this is wonderful for us now we can bring in the chaos and the crisis that's necessary to get people to accept the the new solutions which is going to be the the green energy and the green solution to everything and of course we don't have anything to to, to back things up right now we're basically going into a period of of scarcity fortune had this uh, story, you really don't understand how bad it could get in Europe this year. And I go I, I go through it in more detail in, in the Weekend Warrior Show, the latest one, so check that out. But the bot, let, let me read the, the end portion here, too. They talk about a Wild West scenario in, in Europe, right? The brunt of winter has yet to hit, but tensions, and this is before, you know, anything came out about the uh, explosion here at the Nord Stream. Uh, but tension is already starting to emerge, leaving politicians with some tough choices. If the situation deteriorates... Every European country is in for a Wild West scenario. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Burial, this is one of the uh, inter uh, International Energy Agency guys there, one of the, the watchdogs there, uh, said the energy crisis could go one of two ways. EU and members will work in solidarity, supporting each other, or there's another scenario if everybody is for himself. Cracks between traditional EU allies 
have already begun to show. Last month, Scandinavian neighbors heavily criticized Norway, Europe's leading domestic natural gas producer, for its decision to curb energy ex exports in an effort to protect Norwegian consumers. Now, they had this was a um, hyperlink on the Ford's website, website, and if you clicked in on that, it basically just talked about the situation with the lower rain uh, this summer and, and spring in Norway uh, pertaining to hydropower. And so because of this, they decided to like not sell as much to other countries and they've kind of scaled back. But it's a little, little bit of a misnomer because, of course, well, what we're interested in is the, the gas production that Norway has done. And, of course, coincidentally, it just happens to be, we have the story a little bit later here, the same day that the attack on the Nord Stream pipeline occurs, the explosion, we have the inauguration of something called the Baltic Pipeline that takes natural gas from Norway to Poland. And of course, from Poland is being distributed to other neighbors, right? So you have a direct competitor. And I'm not trying to say that there's Norway behind this, but I'm saying it's a re, uh, you know, a, a reshuffling of the energy here that's happening. And uh, Norway is now going to be a, a much bigger producer, which I, which I assumed, right? So when I read this, I was like, wait a minute, why did they back? Why would they do this? This doesn't make sense. Um, anyway, it says there, and if, Christ, if rising electrical bills combined with a wave of unemployment and economic downturn, the crisis could spill out onto the streets. In Germany, the UK, the Czech Republic and elsewhere, citizens have al already protested rising electricity bills. Last month, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz warned that high bills were a powder keg for society. We can expect some protests. Uh, Mitrovan said, this is one of the persons interviewed here, one of the experts interviewed for the uh, piece here, adding that Europe could anticipate movements similar to the Yellow Jackets protests who emerged in France in 2018, protesting higher costs of living and electricity bills. European politicians have to prepare for a very difficult season, she said. Basically, this is the next level uh, to the manufactured crisis, essentially the uh, climate lockdown. It comes uh, a little bit in a different way. Now they're pinning it on energy. And of course, at the same time, they can pin it on Putin and Russia uh, and say it's all their fault. While, of course, uh, in, in reality, there's many more scenarios and, and, and kind of d dynamics that led us up to this point when they're beginning to you know, decommission their own energy supplies for the sake of, of you know, making it green and stuff like that, right? They, they, they bowed down to the pressure from the green lobby. And then, of course, they don't have anything uh, to meet, uh, you know, to come up and meet the, the, the demand uh, as they cut down on electricity. So the only thing they do is to become dependent on Russian gas. And then when the war happens, they have this insane hardline stance against Russia, which is leading them to basically cut it off altogether, right? So we've, they, our leaders in Europe, have painted us into this corner. And I think it's maybe not 100% intentional, just that it's, oh, it's going to happen exactly like this. But they were hoping for something in this vein, right? To, to be able to create chaos, create crisis, in order to offer the solutions up. And of course, we know all, all know what that's going to be. It's going to be a combination of a bunch of wonderful things taking us into the uh, fourth industrial revolution kind of thing, right? But anyway, so lo lots to get into here and lots to talk about. Here's, uh, here's um, one piece from Reuters. I guess that can just kind of uh, introduce it a little bit more to us here as well. Uh, Europe is now investigating the attacks uh, on Russian gas pipelines. Now, as far as I understand, I could be wrong on this, but I believe it's both... 
Germany and Russia that have co-jointly paid for this, the infrastructure for this, right? Um, I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's, maybe it's all Russia, but I, I think it's I think it's not. I think European countries have contributed to this. Maybe it's all partially, at least, private sector money too. And uh, you know, as they're seeking to make this, you know, for, for obviously uh, a for-profit endeavor, so maybe they have invested some. I haven't broken down the exact details on that, but regardless, it's an attack on on you know vital infrastructure. That's that's terrorism, as far as I you know can recall. Um, and of course, Germany has folded, right? They folded to pressure from the Greens, then they folded to the pressure uh, to cut off Russian gas, and now look at the shit situation they're in, right? Uh, let's play this real quick here. This boiling water churning above Russian gas pipelines is the result of what Germany, Denmark, and Sweden are now calling attacks which have caused major leaks into the Baltic Sea. The two Nord Stream pipelines are at the center of an energy standoff between Russia and Europe. Denmark and Sweden released striking images a day after the leaks were reported, saying the largest gas leak had caused surface disturbance of around 0.6 miles in diameter. But it remains unclear what or who could have been behind the Nord Stream pipeline leaks. Europe on Tuesday said it was investigating claims of intentional attack leveled by several countries. Poland's foreign minister, Zbigniew Rao, pointed fingers at Russia, though without evidence. We are not in a position to reject the notion that this could be an element of Russian hybrid war against NATO. The explosions took place very close to the Danish territorial waters, but not within the Danish territorial waters. Because if this were the case, this would be an intrusion into the NATO territory. Sweden's Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson also expressed concern. We have Swedish intelligence, but we've also received information from our contacts in Denmark and based on this concluded that this is probably a deliberate act. It's probably a matter of sabotage. Christopher Botsau is head of Denmark's energy agency. It is very rare that damages of this type occur and now three damages have happened within 24 hours, which is why we are very worried about what the reason for this could be. <clears throat> Botsau says yeah. it could take a week for gas to stop draining out of Nord Stream 2, that ships could lose buoyancy if they enter the area, and has warned that because the sea surface is full of methane, there is an increased risk of explosions. Western yeah. countries imposed sanctions on Russia after they launched what they called a special military operation in Ukraine this year. Moscow slashed its gas deliveries to Europe in retaliation, blaming Western sanctions for causing technical difficulties. But on Tuesday, Moscow also agreed that sabotage was a possibility. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warned that sabotage was a lose-lose situation. The leaks are under investigation. Um, their initial reports indicating that uh, this may be the result of an attack or some kind of sabotage, but these are initial reports and we haven't confirmed that yet. But if it is confirmed, that's clearly in, in no one's interest. The escalating energy war between European capitals and Moscow has damaged major Western economies, sent gas prices soaring, and has sparked a hunt for alternative supplies. While neither of the two pipelines currently leaking were in use on Monday, the incidents will sink any remaining expectations that Europe could receive fuel via Nord Stream 1 before winter. Yep. 
Yeah, this is this is, this is bad, right? And, and by the way, I forgot to. There's so many. That's actually quite a bit of tangents here and uh, <clears throat> angles of this to talk about. But uh, they talk about the the the, the lessened fertilizer in this article here. The less uh, fertilizer that businesses might have to cut uh, production on things. It could basically call uh, cause the entire European economy to go into a tailspin. Yeah, a, a downward downward trajectory, uh, which of course again would would, uh, would take us into that like oh this it just happens to fit the uh, the climate agenda of what they wanted to do and of course they're hitting Europe first, um, massive crisis right. Good not over on entropy says uh, when I saw the pipe was hit I said in my head with a nervous laugh oh shit war is on <laughs> nice knowing you you all lol yeah we, we'll we'll see this this could definitely. Um, heat up pretty fast and of course that could very well be the intention as well now ask the question and, and here's a little more details on that regarding the funding right because that's always an interesting thing because those who fund it probably wouldn't be the ones who blow it up you would kind of it would kind of make sense to, to take that angle right uh cost and financing here this is a wikipedia i guess you was always have to take it with a grain of salt no matter what according to gazprom that's the russian gas giant the cost of the onshore pipeline in Russia and Germany were around six billion. The offshore section of the project cost 8.8 .8 billion it's euros, by the way. 33% of the financing was raised through equity provided by shareholders in proportion to their stakes in the project, while 70% was obtained from external financing by banks. There were two tran tranches of fundraising. The first, totaling 3.9 billion, includes a 3.1 billion 16-year facility cover by export credit agencies. <laughs> and an 800 million euro uh, 10-year uncovered commercial loan uh, to be serviced by earnings from the transportation contracts. A further 1.6 billion is covered by French credit insurance company Euler Hermes, 1 billion by German loan guarantee program UFK and 500 million euros by Italian export credit agency SACE. Uh, Credit Agricole is the documentation bank and bank faci facility agent. Société Générale is in, in intercreditor agent. Anyway, that goes on to the weeds and the details are Commerce Bank. Let me see here what else is a Deutsche Bank is the account bank. So basically it's a bunch of it's all weaved into each other. For Nord Stream 2, the loan from Uniper, Wintershell, DEA, OMV, Engine and Royal Dutch Shell covers 50% of the project. Uh, projected cost of 9.5 billion. The rest is being financed by Gazprom, which is obviously, you, you know, Russia. That's like, as far as I know, they're like, like this with the Russian uh, government. Although after they, after they uh, privatized it after the fall of the Soviet Union, I'm not sure how much is this. I know they created a bunch of really wealthy. Um, uh, oligarchs, of course, after that point, but then Putin did kick some of them out. Uh, he, I mean, he did arrest some of them. He, some of them went back to uh, Israel, you know, things like this. Uh, but okay, so so it's a bunch of different. So it's not straight up like, oh, here's money just from Germany or or just from Russia. It's it's a big. But again, all of these have a stake in it. All of the these are all interest. These are all uh, powerful financial, um, you know, factors. I would assume that would um, try to, I guess you know, t talk a country in or out of the, the, the benefits of something like this, you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, so, so something to keep in mind. There, there's certainly a lot to, to be said about that. So, 
we had this interesting uh, couple of comments by Biden a while back. If you've been following the news, you might have seen some of that. But if you're uh, if you haven't followed it, this could be good for you to know. Um, we had the initial tweet <clears throat> by a Polish, I think he was a foreign minister, that's right, uh, Poland's former foreign minister. He is a sitting member of the European Parliament, and he basically said, thank you, USA, after this, uh, suggesting that this is a American attack uh, on a, a, a partially, I guess, owned by another NATO ally country, Germany. And their infrastructure, of course, is by Russia too. Um, and this could this could be chaos, absolute chaos, right? He says, by the way, there's no shortage of pipeline capacity for taking gas from Russia to Western Europe, including Germany. Nord Stream's only logic was for Putin to be able to blackmail or wage war on Eastern Europe with impunity. Well, why would he destroy it then, if that's Russia behind it? Why would they destroy their leverage? and their ability to blackmail. See, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, I'm not saying he's, oh, well, that settles it this, because this guy knows all of it and, and he has the final say on it. But he is connected, right? He's connected to some of these people. Here, here he is here, Radoslav Zikorski, right? Uh, Polish politician, member of the European Parliament, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs under Donald Tusk in the EU. He's also married, by the way, to... Um, and Applebaum, which we've talked about uh, actually quite uh, quite extensively in the past. If you go back a few shows back early on, that's not the right one. Let me see if I can get that to return. I guess that autoplayed here. Let me see if I can go back here. Yes, this is the one right here. And Applebaum, Putin's war on Ukraine and its consequences. Uh, this is early on, February 24th, when this broke out, right? So this is the wife of these, this Polish guy who said, thank you, USA. And, of course, all these people are like, you know, Atlantic Council members. It's the American Enterprise Institute. These are like neocon-tied, uh, you know, kind of guys and gals, essentially. Many of them are, you know, Jewish Zionists, you know. Uh, you can go, th go through the list. I mean, Anne Applebaum is one of these people, of course. Uh, Victoria Newland, who has been trying to fuck over the EU for the longest time, right? And I mean, they've used Ukraine, of course, as a, as a sledgehammer against Russia, using this as a proxy war. Uh, you can go down the list later on. You have Anthony Blinken now, who's who's uh, the the head of the State Department and things like this, right? They they all have driven this very hard lined um, hard line against Russia. Uh, and you have to take in, into this account. It's it's a little it's a little network. And Anne Applebaum, by the way, again the the wife of the guy who said thank you uh, america uh it, it looks like some of this if there is an operation from the from from nato slash you know american military could very well have been run out of poland by the way uh but she was she's praising Zelensky and talk about how great you know his jewish heritage and how great it is and she went on and on swooning over Zelensky uh in this interview who by the way i forgot to mention this is uh, on <laughs> bill crystal's uh, youtube channel right that if there's one guy you think of when you think of neoconservatism uh these neocons it would be bill crystal right all right anyway so it's easy to get uh, lost in the weeds here but they're all a little you know they're all kind of interconnected to be honest right so so biden the other the other uh, point in the tweet here uh mentioned uh, a while back that uh if they wanted to end nord stream 2 they could this is in it's in america's interest get europe more engaged in the war making russia an enemy uh, having Russia and Germany or having Germany dependent on Russia is a very bad strategic 
idea for those who are seeking to destroy Russia and uh, and and that you know for the Atlanticists that that has been one of the major kind of um, really goals over the last few decades is to take control at the very least maybe not like physically invade Russia but getting their guys in there you know and getting their people uh, to to rule it and, and getting them kind of aboard uh, so this is what he said regarding this this is back in February, on February 8th uh, this year. Listen to this. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But, do, but how will you how will you do that? Exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. <laughs> yep. I think it's clued in on some things, and we'll get to this too, but uh, look, Germany has been America's bitch since after the Second World War. I mean, that's just a fact. It, it's, it's technically, it well... Literally, it is an occupied country, but technically, it's not a sovereign uh, nation, uh, to be honest, right? Some of the major military bases in Europe is, is in Germany, of course, such as Rammstein, and um, they, are, they, they are not uh, they're not their own country, essentially. They're being run, and I mean, even you could talk about even countries like, like Sweden that even haven't been official NATO members have still been like running tons of operations and drills with them and the, 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 the military presence of American military in Sweden and the Baltic have increased, uh, you know, over the years and, and supposedly we're not part of NATO and so, but now officially we're going to be anyway, right? So anyway, we'll, we'll get to it here, but here's one of the early comments. Denmark assessed that Nord Stream's gas leaks were caused by a deliberate act and could not have been a result of accidents, obviously. CIA warned Berlin about possible attacks on gas pipelines in summer. This is from uh, the Spiegel. Uh, the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency had weeks ago warned Germany about possible attacks on gas pipelines in the Baltic Sea. Uh, German magazine Spiegel said on Tuesday after gas leaks in Russian pipelines to Germany were reported. Uh, big surprise. So sometimes they tell you what they're going to do. And in some cases, too, that's, the, that's part of the deflection. Tell them, well, we warned you about it. Well, why would we be the ones to blow it up when we warned you about this, right? No, 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 this is, that's not how they play the game. It's, it's, it's constantly deception and stuff like that. Uh, here's another one from Putin then. Uh, in response to Europe's energy crisis, Putin said on September 17th that if Europe wants to solve the issue, it can ignore U.S. orders and simply just open up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline again. Just push the button and everything will get going, Putin said. Instead, what happened? Well, someone bombed it, right? We actually have, do I have Putin saying that? Or is it in the clip here? Oh, here it is. This, this is the one right here. Uh, subtitled here. Таким образом, закрылся Северный поток-1. Но в конце концов, если приспичило, если все так тяжело, возьмите и снимите в конце концов санкции Северного потока-2. 55 миллиардов кубических метров по году. Только кнопку нажать, и все пошло. Нет. 
Just push the button and we'll get everything going. No, instead they've closed it here, they've closed it there, they can't repair it here. <clears throat> that one was part of sanctions. The new gas pipeline, Nord Stream 2, they don't want to open and yet we are to blame. Right Nord Stream 1 was closed a little bit earlier. I think that were there so three explosions, I think two on Nord Stream 2, right? And one on one? Did I get that right? So as I said here, NATO, right? Swedish US troops on drill uh, troops drill on remilitarized Baltic Sea Island back from June 12th, uh, 2022 to, to show you this, that is like ample presence in the region as well. Uh, Gotland is one of the islands right there in the Balk Baltic. There's been some, uh, do they show a map of it in here? No, I'll find it. Um, anyway, they, they, um, have talked about using this essentially from like where basically where you can have your airplanes on <laughs> this island, right? Uh, they've said, oh, Russia wants to invade it and take it over for that reason. But then America has been showing interest in like, let's, you know, again, that's why they for such a long time have tried to get Sweden to go in under uh, NATO's wing. And now they get it, right? We have a bunch of left wing, uh, you know, feminists essentially that have been charged in Sweden for, uh, for, for many years now. And immediately they fold to, uh, you know, uh, imperialist America and NATO and stuff. And they all think, well, we'll be safer. I mean, th this is the reason why you would want a buffer zone, a neutral buffer buffer zone in the Baltic, especially that area, like right between, you know, kind of more traditionally like, the, you know, the Western countries. And then you have the Eastern countries over here and countries like Finland, Sweden. Uh, I mean, Norway has been part of member for a long time, a NATO member, for, unfortunately, for some time, uh, Denmark. But at least you would have the Baltic, like they wouldn't have an obvious like allegiance to either side, which you, which you then would get a little bit more uh, neutral stance on some of the issues that would would occur, right? But so instead, instead they cower and they think, oh, we, you know, Russia is going to invade. This is what they're talking about in the halls of the of of um, you know the politicians and, and the halls of power. They they have they drive this line. We play that clip, uh, or actually the whole lecture by uh, Peter Zion. It's up in the member section right now. By the way, check that out. It was kind of a, a very interesting, um, uh, very interesting lecture. Let me find it here real quick. It's in the Red Ice TV section. End of globalization. Very interesting lecture. But he talks early on in that presentation, and we go through that about like the only way for Russia to defend itself is to go into Poland and take over all these areas and stuff. And I'm not saying that's impossible. Like, okay, sure, maybe they, maybe they have, maybe they drive that line, whatever. But also at the same, at the same time, I mean, they know that it's like, if you, if you go on an aggressive uh, path as opposed to a defensive one and go into these NATO countries, like there, there's world war and that's it. But people have, again, this, you know, one dimensional view that, you know, kind of the same way they do of like a, you know Hitler or something, right? Historically, he was crazy, and he just he didn't care. They just wanted to take over the world and kill everybody, you know. And that's kind of like the the one dimensional cartoonish view that they have of this. And they're like, I mean, he's in he, he's somewhat smart, right? He knows some things. He looks like he's looking out for at least his interests of the country and so forth, right? Uh, but it's always says, no, he's insane. He's gonna go, just the march will never end. They'll just continue to go into all these areas, and so Gotland or Gotland in the Baltic uh, Sea have been kind of referred to as like one of the pivotal, like strategical important points that you need to hold in order to control the Baltic and the wider area when it comes to air air defense and things like this, right? So now, of course, uh, America is getting it. That That's it. Under They're going to join NATO, and that's that. Uh, here's some other ones. Uh, this is from the 21st of September. 
Uh, it says the American military is doing drills and exercises uh, more and more often in, sweat, in Sweden. Uh, it's the headline right here. I think it's crazy. Back from June, right? I remember a while ago, too, it was um, NATO drills in Norway. I remember re I couldn't find the articles again, but I was remember the read they, they were uh, complaining. They were complaining the Norwegian people like living out in the countryside and stuff where they were holding the drills and they were marching through their properties and through their, uh, you know, uh, their lawns and stuff. And apparently all the NATO troops and American troops had like taken craps everywhere in their lawns and on their lawns and stuff like that they hadn't like they hadn't like covered up after themselves it was like a, a huge mess but uh, anyway so this is back in June and, and I'm just showing you that they're like the pr the presence of American military have been uh, uh, a pretty a pretty hard line for some time uh, in the region so it would be easy for them whether they used Sweden as a launching pad it most likely Poland to be honest in terms of what we'll look at uh, uh, next year, right? Um, on Twitter here, says uh, someone says here, I don't know who blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. I do know that when solving a mystery, you look for motives. Russia has none. There's potentially one little bit later. We'll, we'll focus on that. Unless, unless, again, of course, it could be like, we'll blow it up. And then we'll, we'll, you know, we, we know that they will blame us, but then we can kind of say that they did it as a false flag. I mean, there are always those possibilities, right? So you can't close your door entire, entirely on that. But the fact is America wanted Europe to be cut off from dependency from Russia to get them involved uh, more hardline on their side. So there's nothing like there's no leverage that they hold anymore over any European country so that they can go to war. I mean, at this point, the escalation is so insane. And this act of terrorism is so, I mean, it, it just, we have a bunch of lunatics that are running the show right now. And they don't give a shit about anybody but themselves. They don't give a shit about any of the, you know, of their countries that they're supposed to represent and whatnot. And I'm sure that at some point they wouldn't mind us all go to war, getting a getting a third world war in before the Great Reset. Maybe that would be an even uh, an even better way that they can rebuild everything. I mean, it certainly looks like that's what they're going to do in Ukraine anywhere. The funds they've been raising for that to build back better, right, to build back the fourth industrial revolution once and if this war ever actually ends. Uh, but to say the U.S. though have plenty of motivation. First of all, of course, they could, as we said, they can blame Putin. This could help to escalate the war. It could advance even the green agenda, like I'm alluding to. I think the long-term plan here is part of that. This is the green, you know, climate net zero agenda weaved into this, which basically is the Great Reset. Um, make EU more dependent on them, and then you, you know, he says you can you can go from there. But that's not a not a. I mean, that's it. It's fairly, you know. Easy cut down and and fairly logical if you look at it from just like don't try to complicate things too much. That's kind of what I've come up up with anyway. Uh, and then of course in the region uh, we had plenty of uh, activity. Uh, here's just one example, right? We had U.S. Uh, planes uh, going. There was ships, helicopters, uh, days and hours before the first explosion ever occurred. Some of these were actually right over the Nord Stream 2 pipelines as well. Uh, it says here, immediately before the first explosion on Nord Stream 2, a P-8 Poseidon, typically used for submarine hunting, flew, uh, flew from the North Sea, refueled over Poland almost directly to where the explosion happened about two and a half hours later. 
and here's some other pictures, of course, some of the flight activity from Poland, from uh, Gdansk, I think they uh, used as a, as a base. There were some other vessels, U.S. vessels in the region as well. Uh, here's just one that people took screenshots of. There was even a Black Hawk uh, helicopter that were, uh, you know, hovering over a specific region. Uh, not too far away from Kaliningrad, which is kind of the, uh, what do they call it, oblast, right? The, where they get access to the Baltic Ocean, Russia, uh, from. Little uh, little island, essentially, of, of Russia right there. Uh, so, I mean, take your pick, right, in terms of like which, which well, which ship did this? Do we have any proof and stuff? And I, I suspect we're just going to get a shit show of bad information and misinformation uh, from European and Western uh, sources. And, of course, it's not that you just can't take Russian information either and just trust that 100%. This, it's, it's a war. They're, we're at war. And uh, you're not going to get the truth from any, from any of these uh, uh, sides right now because they have their own, um, you know, motives of, of, of advancing uh, what they want, right? You had a um, uh, story from Sky News as well. This is reposted by Yahoo here. Leaks to Nord Stream pipelines were likely a premeditated attack using explosive devices detonated remotely, says British defense sources. It's amazing how vulnerable the infrastructure is and due to the fact that we've had a, a little bit of a period of relative peace, I guess you could say. I mean, it's been war in certain other aspects, of course. It's been war on the population. There's been a culture war. There's like, you know, we have a global elite that have turned against their own populations in the West, things like that. So it's not that it's been like, oh, super peaceful, but like their liberal world order, their progressive little utopia that they've been uh, selling to us and pitching for a long time. Uh, because they've gotten so many countries, right, under the little globalist thumb, uh, it's been like fairly balanced, uh, you know, uh, somewhat. It hasn't been completely uh, okay, but somewhat more balanced in terms of like, you know, geopolitical spurgouts by specific nations and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, now that shows that as soon as that balance is kind of upended a little bit and you get some pressure, uh, the infrastructure that we rely on to heat our homes and everything like that is super vulnerable. And this could have happened in, I mean, what if what if other infrastructure is cut off, right? What if uh, you know cables are cut off between uh, Europe and, and uh, North America? Things like this, right? A uh, lot of problems here that could actually happen. Um, it says here a suspected act of sabotage, partially by Russia. Yes, of course, against gas pipelines in the Baltic Sea was likely a premeditated attack using underwater explosive devices detonated remotely, according to a British defense source. And they're going to lie their asses off to uh, to defend. And, and even if it was, see, even if it wasn't them, they would still spin it this way in order to capitalize on the situation. And that's not just that's just like common. Anybody who's at war would do, would do that. You know what I mean? The source said any mines could have been lowered to the seabed on a long line, dropped over the side of the boat or placed next to the Nord Stream pipelines with an underwater drone uh, months or even years ago. Uh, it could have been recently, too. Poland and Ukraine have accused Russia of causing the ruptures that are spewing gas into the sea leaks that were detected on Monday. What about the marine life? We had a pretty shitty situation in the Baltic already. We had like algae growth, uh, you know, during the summers and stuff. I remember in Stockholm um, and on the east coast of Sweden, there were some, I guess it was some days or some weeks out of the year that recommend you not to swim there because it was just like not, you know, not good for you as a human and stuff. It was too much algae growth. I forget what it was, ex the exact details of it. 
um, what what's this going to do to to marine life and and the area and stuff? I mean, crazy. And it reminded me, do you guys remember? I was trying to find the footage of the the Mexican like the the like fire tornado stuff. It it frankly looked like that, but it was not like on fire. Let me see if I can find that footage real real quick. Um, gas leak on fire. Let me see if I can find that. Yeah, this one. <laughs> Check out this is this is what it looks like, but without like the the um, the fire. Right, it hasn't been lit on fire. Imagine they did do, did that. Uh, that visually, that would have been even more, I guess, impactful and powerful. But the, this is basically what it is, right? Fire Look at in the that. Gulf of Mexico, just west of the Yucatan Peninsula. Those dramatic images of the ocean aflame quickly going viral on social media. Some people calling it an eye of fire, while others said it looked like the portal to hell opening up. Pemex, the Mexican <laughs> state-run. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, this basically what it is. I haven't, I haven't measured the di diameter around or whatever. Pat over on Entropy says, "Hey, Mr. Beginning, we just want to remind you that it's the 28th anniversary since MS Estonia was sunk, a mass murder." Yes, you're right, and I yes, I did mention it quickly. We're going to get to those stories as well, but thank you for the reminder, Pat. Uh, Pat, in case I didn't uh, in, didn't remember that. Okay, let me close that here. Back to our. Uh, order here uh, of stories. We talked about that one. Oh, this one. This was important to play too. So the same day before it was announced that the uh, explosion had happened, this story came out from Bloomberg. Nord Stream hits. Uh, uh, they changed the, the, the title, but the video is what I'm going to play. The embedded video of what they talked about, like some of the proposals of what it's going to be down to for European leaders. And it's basically like, well, basically we have to start rationing. I mean, it was already bad. But Nord Stream 2 was still providing gas up to that point. So we can, like, you know, have some uh, a buffer, right? Fill some up and have some extra, blah, blah, blah. Now that's completely out of the picture. And now they've just exacerbated the situation even, even, even more, right? And so this is kind of like you said, is this an act of war? It is. I mean, it, we're at war, or, war already, as I said, but at the same time, like, if this is America doing this, and, and and Europe is like, oh, you know, NATO and, and our allies and stuff, and 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 we know that there's other interests that control, especially the foreign policy of a country like America. We 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 know that it's like a bunch of rats, uh, Blinken, Newland, you know, uh, yeah, the apple bombs essentially. These these neocons, right? That are still pulling the strings. Um, and they don't give a shit about Europe. It's just a tool for them to be used. You could actually even argue and make it make a, 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 a case that America, ha, for, for a very long time, ha, have had an interest in actually uh, destroying Europe as a kind of competitor, really, on the global scene, as an econ economic opponent. And you mean ever since the Marshall Plan and the stay behind armies and the... Uh, uh, you know, what was it called again? The, the Operation Gladio and these kinds of things, right? Going back to the 70s, you've had a campaign, if, if not directly by America, at least by like NATO forces, which I would argue is primarily driven by America, um, that have done terrorism on the people in Europe to drive a political line. They've tried to scare us into submission. And it reminds me of another thing, by the way, too. Remember all the crazy U-boat sightings in the Baltic, right? There was this campaign, if you go back to the 80s and, and, and into the 90s as well in Sweden. Every summer, people saw, you know, you know, standing out with binoculars. It was so common that people were even making fun of it and put it in movies and stuff like that at the time. Uh, of like, oh, another U-boat sighting or a submarine sighting in the, in the Baltic, right? It's the, it's the Russians. Russians are, are out to get us. We have to join NATO right now. And of course, a lot of people speculated that these were actually uh, American submarines and they were driving a 
uh, scaremongering campaign uh, to to shift the blame onto Russia uh, in order to get uh, you know Sweden to join NATO and, th- and things like that. So, and, and that's now, unfortunately, eventually that seems to have paid paid off. All right. So anyway, listen to what he says here. This is a I forget uh, the title of the guy. Um, let's see. He his name is Francisco Blanc. Uh, he's a B O F A. What is what is that? Bank of Federal blah 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 something. I've said a global research head of global commodities and derivatives research, uh, I guess. But listen to what he said here. It's kind of interesting, uh, both regarding Nord Stream 2, but some of the options and choices that European leaders have. And the same thing, the Fortune article, going back to that real quick, mentions that too, that basically like we stand in front of two options and choices. It's like start rationing or, you know, uh, uh, you know, cut down the supply. Obviously, that's going to happen. We have to buy it from other countries at an increased price or start rationing. And that seems to be what this is about now, to a certain extent. It's about getting us to ration and getting us even more, I think, involved in the conflict to a certain extent uh, against Russia. We'll see. It's too early to tell. But listen to this guy here, what he says. Kind of assessing as well, uh, throughout 2022, We've actually had a lot of Russian gas coming through until uh, Nord Stream 1 was, was shut down in, in June. So we've had six months of Russian supply that have helped uh, build those inventories. Now, and, and again, Nord Stream 2 was operating up to this point. We have to do the same thing again um, in 2023 without those Russian volumes. That is the main concern mm. that, that we all have uh, for European energy in, in the year ahead. How much demand destruction does Europe need to see with current gas in storage and expected supply to get through this winter? Well, so uh, I think we're all going to have to turn our thermostats down. We've heard that from authorities um, all over Europe. Yep, and there it is, folks. Climate, climate uh, lockdowns. Uh, I will continue to maintain that that's kind of what we're looking at here. Climate lockdowns through a different uh, means. It's also a way to try to buffer, uh, buffers maybe not the right time to, if you can if you can create chaos and crisis around war it's going to be more like maybe justifiable to a certain extent for people like oh well it's at war and it's russia and things and so maybe they won't go out in the streets and protest or something like that um but if they actually start doing climate lockdowns this is kind of like a dry run to see how how do people react are we going to get protest but it's also this like but also oh we did we didn't have an option there's no choice we didn't do this voluntarily it wasn't us who said, well, just for the sake of like CO2 and greenhouse gas emissions, we're going to turn everything off or start rationing. People, I think, generally would be upset about that. Now it's like, oh, well, this is it's wartime sabotage. We didn't have anything to do with this. Uh, but I'm not saying the ultimate goal might be the climate thing. Maybe later on it is. Uh, it certainly benefits the war situation, I think, as well. But at the same time, this is a perfect opportunity uh, to use that to still get your goals through when it comes to the climate crisis. And that why, that's why I've said that the Ukraine-Russia war, that uh, puzzle piece, if you will, as, as, as one of many on the geopolitical chessboard, fit perfectly into the needs that uh, our globalist uh, elites at the top, our, our friends, um, wanted uh, in order to justify their next moves into taking us towards the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Back to the clip. Uh, that, that's going to be uh, one, one element. Um, we're also seeing uh, factories in Europe shutting down. So we've seen steel production, aluminum production, uh, fertilizer, um, uh, methanol, even refining capacity in Europe. Yeah. Really a whole lot. Anything that uses energy is being curtailed and is being imported. Um, and then just general. 
So more fertilizer shortage as a consequence of this. Who do you think benefits from does that? Does that ring a bell? Was that ever an issue before this? Uh, supply chain shortages, food shortages, you get the idea, right? This is a perfect, uh, perfect piece here. We're seeing also some factories uh, essentially uh, potentially being, being curtailed into the winter. So it, it's going to be tough, but, but the real answer, it, it depends on the weather. We, mm -hmm. we have yep. to in some way, uh, as I like to say, pay and pray. Um, we, we have to pay up a lot of money to, to keep uh, European gas. Pay up Europeans, pay up Europeans, and then, and then pray. Just, just, just wish and pray that the winter won't be as bad. <laughs> Fucking idiots! These people, di they did this to us. This is not an accident and a happenstance of like one unfortunate incident after the other. It's by design. Flowing in from Asia, displacing essentially um, gas burn in Japan and China and Korea to be able to bring it to Europe, but also in Bangladesh and Pakistan and, and Brazil. So that gas needs to come here. And the second thing that needs to happen is we need to pray for, for, for milder weather into the winter because a, a synchronous for milder uh, weather. cold winter, winter, winter across Europe, Asia, maybe US mm -hmm. would be uh, very catastrophic for, for energy markets. Francisco, we have... There you go. <clears throat> so pray, just pray. That's, what we, that's the solutions they're offering us. Just, uh, just hope, and, hope and pray that it won't be as bad. But what if it is a, the, as bad? You know, and then, and, and <laughs> cynical at every turn, right? But then I can't help to think, like, what about, uh, what about weather engineering? Is that a, is that a thing here? <laughs> and, and if it is, w w how are they going to use that to our advantage? I, I think they want to kill us. <laughs> that's what I think is going on, to be honest. I think it's as simple as that. Uh, Lord Aragon says, uh, Zog is at war. Correct, Henrik. That's right. <clears throat> it is. They are at war. Uh, they are at war with us, primarily. There, there's some you know, petty infighting things here and there, of course. But, uh, but overall, no, we, we, we're, we're, we're the problem, as I say, right? Okay, so we talked about that one. Uh... Biden approves a 1.1 billion... Uh, dollars in uh, additional military aid to Ukraine. Oh, what is this? Is this the uh, 48th? No, not quite. Maybe 37th consecutive week in a row that uh, America is giving more billions to uh, to Ukraine. Uh, and here's Russia denying Nord Stream sabotage allegations. And of course, they would do that even if they uh, did do it. Uh, I understand that. Let me see here. <clears throat> okay, this is a blog that's updated quickly. Um, let me see here if that was two NATO ally, allies still have to approve Sweden and Finland's entry into the alliance. This could, of course, speed up that process as well. Yeah, there was one headline. Okay, it's moved down in the time flow a little bit here then. Uh, Zelensky speaks with British Prime Minister Liz Truss on Russian referendums uh, and more aid for Ukraine. Yes. So, by the way, I saw, wasn't able to confirm that, but someone said that Zelensky uh, has hid his parents in an $8 million mansion in Israel during the conflict. I tried to find some more info, and it was kind of hard to confirm, but that was some of the, at least, rumors that was going around. I wouldn't be surprised if that's true, but that shows you a little bit, too, of, of the sides that are uh, battling this out here. And uh, that uh, some of the people, at least, involved, they uh, have uh, backup countries uh, that, that, that they can uh, go to. Uh, so it's escalated here a little bit, too. Oh, it's a CNBC piece. Let me see here. That's right. That's right. That's what it was. Uh, U.S. Embassy personnel. Let me see if I can find that. That's in, uh, important here. Um, they were asking... Okay, that's... See, I hate when they do updates like that because then you lose the headline. 
Uh, yep, it seems to have dropped off. Anyway, the U.S. Uh, embassy still has some personnel, I guess, in Mos Moscow, and they asked them to leave. See how long this is and when it updates it is? Since it's lost on the... Here it is. Here, right to it. Okay, U.S. Embassy in Russia tells U.S. citizens to leave the country as soon as possible. In other words, some kind of escalation seems to be happening here. Um, even more so than you have, of course, the, the partial mobilization of military reserves in Russia by Putin. And now we have an attack on the pipeline. It's a very quick escalation right now, and this could get out of hand very, very quickly, right? We need to uh, have uh, people responsible and they need to be tried for for treason if there are people that are, uh, you know, at, at least on paper should be beholden to uh, Western nations if they're the ones behind the pipeline. Because this, of course, could lead to, uh, uh, well, it could lead to starvation, it could lead to people freezing to death. It could be, I mean, mass death as a consequence of, of, of an energy uh, supply cutoff like this. Bulgarian citizens should hastily leave Russia, says the, the Minister of Foreign Affairs. Interesting. And one more here. Polish Foreign Ministry issues advisory against traveling to Russia. And these are recently issued, right? So this just uh, this was the same day as the explosion happened. Uh, so someone is kind of a little bit nervous of where this could go next. And uh, just like Pat brought up in the chat... Estonia ferry, right? This is back in um, this is 28 years, years ago now, back in 1994. Uh, 852 people uh, died uh, when they, uh, I, I think they were, they, they sunk the uh, the MS Estonia. I, I think there's no doubt about that. There's plenty of books on the topics. We've done some shows on the topics that you can check out in our archives if you want to find out more about that. Sometimes they kind of like to do things on anniversaries and they like, you know, kind of play on that a little bit. So it wasn't exactly on the day, but it's one day before uh, this happened, right? And uh, I mean, it's a big story, uh, but even BBC had ha have some like stories on on this where they're basically saying like that uh, that there's, I mean, there's explo evidence of like explosions in the hull and stuff and that the damage is going outward like this. And it's like... Uh, it wasn't just I forget what that's called in English. The bow, yeah, the bow door lock. That's what it's. The ship's bow door lock was one of the first things that they blamed the whole thing on that they had failed uh, during the storm or whatever. New underwater footage appears to show previously unrecorded four meter or thirteen feet hole in the ship's hull. Uh, the three countries said they would assess new information which could contradict the official explanation. I remember they wanted to go down, salvage the. The wreckage and things and it was like no we can't do that we can't pull it out it has to stay there it has to be we have to even we have to cover it all up with concrete it was like all these weird things that were happening it was something very very important on this boat uh, that they wanted to take out so and this also of course explains to you both you know the situation in the baltic is, is has been tense for a long time uh, but there is also, we're talking about people that are completely unscrupulous and they don't care at all about m murdering and killing hundreds or thousands or, you know, probably even more now. Uh, if, we, if we have a worst case scenario here this winter in Europe, uh, they just kill people. That, that's what they do. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so I wanted to make this point about Germany as well. Um there's a couple of pieces on RT. There was actually one specifically I was looking for. I believe there was two German politicians that had basically like presented the the evidence and said like, hey, look, Germany is tech, is not a sovereign state. It's basically a vassal state. It's under the thumb of uh, of America and stuff like that. 
and it's been brought up to the surface a couple of times. And every time it's shot down as fake news and stuff like that, right? Uh, Germany, unlike Russia, is not sovereign. U.S. largely controls its foreign policy. And they, they control a lot more than that, by the way. Um, Germany does not have the luxury of being sovereign. Uh, former U.S. diplomat told RT, Germany and Austria called new anti-Russian sanctions approved by the U.S. Senate on Thursday unacceptable, adding that they violate international law and designed to benefit the U.S. oil and gas industry. And this is back in, what's the date on this? Uh, June 17th, 2017. So this is years ago now. Germany threatens to retaliate, to retaliate against the U.S. if new sanctions against, against Russia end up harming German interests. They, oh, oh boy, did that go in the wrong direction. On Friday, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, thank God she's out at least, said that Washington has nothing to do with Europe's energy policy. However, the sanctions bill has yet to be approved by the House of Representatives uh, or the president. And remember, Trump even said at the time, you're becoming too independent or too dependent on Russian gas and stuff. And of course, although that was true, and maybe maybe they should never have placed themselves in that situation, but it was someone like Merkel who, uh, who, who de- decided to decommission 17 of Germany's nuclear power plants right after Fukushima happened. And look, I get it. Fukushima is not, uh, it's not very good optics and it's bad. Uh, but I mean, they don't really have that level of uh, tsunamis in Germany's. If you have uh, intelligent uh, Northern uh, Europeans, you know, uh, in charge of some of these uh, uh, nuclear power plants, it's it is one of the safest uh, ways to produce energy. So it's just a fact. Might, might not even the most efficient. And sure, maybe there's other things out there, but at least in the meantime, it's something we have, right? The Chernobyl uh, uh, bullshit happened because we have a bunch of incompetent commies that were that were trying to handle that shit. Many other reasons for that, too, by the way. And they tried to cover it up to the last minute. And it was like a Swedish nuclear power plant that had come out and say, like, hey, we're detecting high levels of radiation here. What's going on? What's happening? Who's doing this? And then it was like, finally, they were forced to admit, like, yeah, it was it was us, you know. Uh, Germany has been America's bitch since after the World War, after World War II, as I said. Marshall Plan, all that, st- all that stuff. The former head of the West German military, and I'm bringing this up to to show you that it's like a German. It, this could have been a co-joint military operation by Germany and America, or by Poland and America, or by Germany, Poland, and America, or or whatever. Take take your pick, right? But that looks most likely at this point until we have other evidence. Uh, So a former head of the West German military intelligence has issued a book revealing secret details of a 1949 U.S.-German treaty aligning America and its allies, uh, alleging, sorry, alleging America and its allies have been deliberately suppressing the nation's sovereignty. Yeah, you don't say. 20 years after the Berlin Wall fell and the most uh, painful wounds have been healed, there seems to be no more uncomfortable truths left for Germans. Yet uh, some still manage to come up with hot potatoes. And the biggest these days is, is from the former head of intelligence services in West Germany. In Ger- Gerd Helmut Kommasser's book, The German Card, he claims Germany has until now been controlled by the United States and its allies and was even viewed as a possible target. At a NATO meeting, I realized that a possible plan was for the alliance to hit the largest dam in West Germany with a nuclear bomb. If strikes had taken place, a great number of civilians would have died, he claims in his book. The retired general details a secret pact he alleges was signed in 1949 between Germany and the U.S. and which will be in force for another 90 years. So, yes, that's 
I mean, that, those are some of the things we've talked about in the past, too. Uh, they are not their own people, essentially, in their own country at this point. <clears throat> who, who of us really is, though, to be honest, right? Yeah, so here's the, here's the other one. Here's the other uh, take I saw on this. Let's see if this translates well here. Um, the Russians who want to make the West more dependent on the gas pipelines that run through Ukraine will be used as a pawn in trying to force peace instead of continued Ukrainian offensive in the areas where the pipelines run. It's possible, of course. Nothing is out the window, right? It depends on what happens with the conflict as well. It would be an odd time to do it. But if you do have pipelines that run through Ukraine and you're seeking to control them, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, you, you I mean, you have to go back to even the Syrian uh, conflict, right? And talk about um, talk about what 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 happened there with the oil and, and gas pipelines, right? We can go back to the Iraq conflict. And there's so, you know, it's, it's been hinging on that so much. The only difference now is, of course, that it's like, oh, well, we're going to do away with uh, uh, with oil and gas because it's bad for the climate. Um, and you're going to see a pivot towards like what, what you know, whole new industries are being created in the, around the green energy and stuff like that, right? Uh, and it, not none of it is is really viable. It's not really good options. Uh, wind and solar and even hydro is is very dependent on on seasons and the weather and what happens and stuff like that. And it's not a really secure way of doing it, right? Uh, but as we said before, uh, coincidentally we had the announcement of the launch of the Baltic pipeline again on the same day as the explosion happens, right? Uh, as from the European Commission here. Today, the Baltic pipeline was inaugurated at an opening ceremony in Golinov, Poland. The event marks the end of the process of the Baltic pipe construction, a key route to carry gas from Norway through Denmark to Poland and neighboring countries. The Baltic pipe will make it possible to import up to 10 billion cubic meters of gas annually from Norway to Poland and to transport 3 uh, billion cubic meters of gas from Poland to Denmark. The start of the gas transmission is planned for October 1, 2022. So uh, we'll see what happens. Is this going to, I forgot to crunch the numbers here, but is that going to make up for it? Is that enough? Is that just part of it? I, I have to crunch some numbers here a little bit later. I saw it just before we came on live here. But anyway, so you, so you have that. I mean, that's interesting, right? The project supported by the Trans-European Networks for Energy enhances the diversification of gas supply in Central Eastern Europe and the Baltic states by opening new import routes from the North Sea to the EU. The Baltic Pipe has been a project of common interest since 2013 and has received around 267 million euros of funding uh, of EU funding through the connect Connecting Europe, Europe facility, helping to complete the pre uh, pre preparatory studies and construction works necessary for this project. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So it was the Norwegians did it. Goddamn Norwegians. Can't believe it. Anyway, there was some good, some good memes that came out as well in the wake of this. I guess that's worth... Uh, Looking at someone did uh, this one. We did it. We did it, Joe. <laughs> let's, let's take that again. It's pretty good, actually. We did it. We did it, Joe. If they would have included her like witchy laugh at the end, it would have been even better, right? Uh, but the point is, they did find a Russian passport uh, floating, uh, you know, right on top of the bubbles. Uh, 
so I think we know who did this. I think there's no question about who was behind this. All right. Then we have this, too. Talking about the escalation here. Uh, U.S. Coast Guard spots. Let me pause that there. Uh, U.S. Coast Guard spots Chinese guided missile cruisers and na- Russian naval ships off Alaska. Uh, a U.S. Coast Guard ship on routine patrol in the Bering Sea came across a guided missile cruiser from China. Officials said Monday, but it turned out the cruiser wasn't alone as it sailed about 86 miles north of Alaska's Kiska Island on September 19th. Two other Chinese naval ships and four Russian Navy vessels, including a destroyer, were spotted in a single formation. The patrol boat known as Cutter, uh, known as a Cutter called Kimball, discovered. Here's the uh, photo, I guess, from that. Uh, A routine patrol in the Bering Sea encountered a People's Republic of China guided missile cruiser. uh, 70 miles, nautical miles of Alaska, the island. Uh, The Kimball crew later identified two more Chinese naval vessels and four Russian Navy vessels. Uh, as well, it says here, um, while the formation has operated in accordance with international rules and norms, we will meet presence with presence to ensure there are no disruptions to U.S. interest in the maritime environment around Alaska. Uh, one of the guys said the Coast Guard said Operation Frontier Sentinel guidelines call for meeting presence with presence when strategic competitors operate in and around U.S. waters. The U.S. Co- what was that crazy footage of them almost colliding and shit like this? Was that? I think that was a while ago, right? Um, was that you? I think that was U.S. and and uh, Russian vessels. I, I forget what the, when when that was, but it, anyway, it rings a bell. All right. Anyway, so that's that. So point is that there they this could escalate uh, very very quickly. You have other other weird strange things. Um. Well, weird and strange, but just to show, like, to show how absurd it's kind of getting, right? We have something called Ryska Skolan in Göteborg, Gothenburg, Sweden, uh, the Russian school, and apparently today it was it was uh, uh, blocked off after there was a, a, a potential bomb threat. Uh, someone found a a thermos with. Uh, was it, a, it was a Putin, like a printed picture of Putin on it or something? Let me read the details here. Yeah, the Russian school in Gothenburg uh, was closed off during Wednesday after um, a, an alarm or, yeah, a notice came in about a suspect, uh, a suspected object. The principal found a metal thermos with a picture of Putin and the text danger on it before the police can could confirm that the object was uh, not dangerous. There was no 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 issue with it. Terrible um, stress and worry had spread in the school uh, because, of course, they're they're doing this against kids, right? Is this a some kind of false flag or something? I, I don't know what it is, right? But apparently, throughout the whole uh, spring, uh, they've had a lot of people that are like calling and doing threats against the school and stuff like that, um, which is kind of which is crazy to be honest but that's that's also what happens when you drive a uh, narrative of, of like they've done in Europe right of, of like totally like dehuman like Russians are not really uh, you know Europeans I remember the German uh, presenters talking about that they might look like us but they're not like us and they're they're not humans and you know <laughs> all this weird stuff and like you, the the out of control um, 
super pro-Ukrainian nationalism and Zelensky worship and stuff like that has been have been like you know incredible to to watch to be honest. You know, while these same countries and and same people in our countries are at every turn trying to shoot down our own nationalism and our own you know self-interest. All of a sudden, Ukraine shows up on the map, and everyone is just like hyper nationalistic for Ukraine. Uh, so I can I can kind of see that that we've been creating some level of like complete um, hysteria, essentially, right? It's like what you saw in in America with that guy who drove over the uh, what he thought was an extremist Republican, remember the Democrat? It was like he was like forty, you know, fifty one maybe or something like that. An older guy drove over like a a, a teenager or early twenty something guy. I forget what state it was in. Uh, and you could argue that that's because of heightened rhetoric by people like Biden, you know, who talks about mega extremists and stuff, and they think they're saving the uh, they're saving the world by uh, by by killing dangerous terrorists and stuff. Anyway, here's here's the the thing I mentioned earlier, and again, kind of hard to. I wouldn't be surprised. I know Zelensky had like some huge villa somewhere in in Italy that he was like renting out for like fifty thousand euros a day or something ridiculous like that. I, I think it was something like that. Uh, the guy's rich, right? He's and he continues to to. Add, I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, he should, oh, he has money, he should put. I mean, but at the same time, these people they will flee to another country if they have to, when they have to. And the fact that Zelensky is is Jewish means it's like, okay, is he going to flee to Israel if if things just turn bad in in his country or what? You know, uh, as Zelensky demands endless money from Western peoples in an, during an economic crisis, Zelensky's parents just bought an eight million dollar house in Rispon, Israel. It was a couple of sources that showed up of them being interviewed by a local rabbi, and I couldn't figure out is this a the paper was based in Israel that had the interview with them but uh, okay but uh, are they in ukraine or are they actually in israel i'm just kind of hard to confirm if someone has some more details on that definitely let me know but i wouldn't be surprised if um if this is true uh to, to be honest right and and of course they would buy some uh, nice properties in israel and and even when things go bad they, they did the same thing in russia right some of these uh uh you know like boris borisovsky and uh, a number of other ones of the oligarchs after the uh uh, collapse of the Soviet Union, and they started to privatize all these businesses and stuff. And I mean, they became mega wealthy, right? And I think that's the inception of of something like Gazprom. I think is is was that, and they made so much money, and they were like jet setting between like Tel Aviv and London and stuff like that for a while, right? And then eventually, some of them were were arrested, some of them were kicked out by Putin and stuff like that, and some of them he still seems to be doing business with, by the way, too. So there's there's um, there's a lot on that. All right, okay. Let me know what you guys think. Um, who, who's, who's done it, right? Who, who's, who's most likely, who's most likely behind uh, the explosion on uh, Nord Stream uh, uh, 2 and 1? Uh, I think it's the uh, usual suspects, to be honest. Uh, I don't think this is too hard of a nut to crack, but you never know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. They're, they're all going to do their investigations. And while they're ignoring some data of like that we looked at of what ships was over the region, uh, what planes were over the region, what helicopters were doing what in the region. Uh, they might present us some other details and say, well, it was this uh, Russian vessel and he came within, you know, five miles of this area. And so it's probably them and stuff. But uh, it is interesting that they mentioned uh, that uh, this could have been planted years ago. I forget how many years the uh, uh, the pipeline has been under construction, but, but it's for quite some time. Uh, and again, the uh, consequence of this could potentially be uh, devastating, to be honest. 
the people responsible need to be uh, need to be held accountable. At the very least, we need people jailed. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. Uh, there's no one, but but don't hold your breath to try to get that anytime soon. Hopefully, one, hopefully one day, eventually, we can uh, we can actually hold these people accountable, uh, and we can inflict a proper and and just uh, punishment, uh, both in terms of what possibly could happen, but also what the intention intended consequences was, uh, even if that actually doesn't happen. All right. So let's go over to the situation. Let, let, why don't you just quickly cover the, the hurricane in Florida as well. Uh, we have some other stories uh, on the situation in, in Italy. Uh, and by the way, later today we have an interview with American Krogan going up on the websites. I did that yesterday. I intended to get up last night, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't finalize it in time. Uh, so we'll go up a little bit later today. Heads up on that. We talked in the second part of that. We talked quite a bit about... Uh, Mel, uh, Giorgia Meloni, the, the new uh, PM, or going to be the new prime minister in uh, Italy, talking about what she will be potentially able to do. Um, is she going to be hardlined enough? Is it going to be enough to push back? She'd said some really good things, and she'd said some kind of annoying things, and she'd said some horrible things. And we have a few more clips as a follow-up, what we talked about there in the second part of that today. But let's begin with this part in regards to the hurricane who's heading through Florida. And uh, <clears throat> Joe Biden here told us that, uh, well, he has a plan, you see. The most, the, the best way to survive this uh, is namely to... Um, Brought to you by Pfizer. Getting a shot. Listen to this. Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike, like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane or a natural disaster hits. <laughs> Thank you, man. Brought to you by Pfizer. I, I, I thought they'd stop chilling for this, but no, there's a, new, uh, there's a new booster out now. Did they combine it with the flu shot? Is that what they did? The super mega booster? The, you know, the one that's super safe and effective that was tested in eight mice and they didn't release any of the data? Is that the one? Have you, have you heard of that one? Yeah, that one is out now, so you can go get that. And uh, apparently, if you want to survive hurricanes, folks, <clears throat> uh, go get the jab. Here's some of the clips of what's uh, barreling towards uh, Florida right about now. You have right now a storm surge of six feet in Naples. That is the highest. It beats Irma, which wow. was the old record, by over two feet. And we are not even close to done yet. So that storm surge threat is not over. And then even as the storm moves across the state, look at all this heavy rain that goes into the afternoon and evening. So it's a long duration threat. And then the storm surge again, up to 18 feet possible in all of these tributaries. That's really a huge concern that we have because all of this water has to get pushed into there. And then when you have rain, it's got nowhere to go out because all the water is still being pushed into the bay. So is that basically worst case scenario for all the homes up and down that region? I mean, is flooding inevitable in those homes? I can't think of a worse setup for Fort Myers. I cannot think of, of how you could design a storm that could cause more damage. Um, and that should be sobering because there are a lot of homes and there are a lot of people who have moved to this area over the past decade. It's a right. huge building boom and people who have not gone through storms like this. Let's be clear. West, the West Coast of Florida has never, ever seen a storm of this magnitude hit uh, in the history that we have going back hundreds of years. All right. <clears throat> 
so the dry it's funny right because now it's like Oive, now it's you know climate change this is never the extreme weather is back on the map we've had a very uh, you know calm seasons to be honest over many years now it was kind of insane there in like 2000 what was it like three four five six or something like that I forget the exact dates on it right and it's been a little calm, calmer in some areas and uh, not as bad and then of course now uh, one uh, one pops up and uh, now all uh, hell breaks loose, and this is because of global warming and all that stuff. And oh, let me do this. One more. Uh, I saw it in chat there. Thank you for sharing that. I saw it earlier, too, of a plane with no call sign that was visible and spotted over the area. Um, I'll leave that up on screen a little bit. You can check that out. I saw a screenshot earlier of it, too. I forgot to save it down. This is another screenshot of one of the flight trackers, right? Uh, let me actually zoom in on that a little bit. Of course, it's always interesting when you have a no call sign, and of course, you could have the, you could have divers aboard. You could uh, someone said you could just d drop this in. I don't know how advanced the technology would be these days. I assume uh, quite quite advanced. What you could do if you just can position yourself over it. Um, but anyway, it came as you can see. That if you follow the blue line here, well, I think we, this is potentially one of the ones we mentioned earlier too, coming in, flying over Denmark, right, uh, landing in. Uh, Poland, refueling, taking a few laps and then going out, and it's very close. Is it exact where that is? No, I don't think so. I think I think the pipeline is closer to uh, the island there, Bornholm. If you if you see the yellow plane, I think it's closer to that than the red plane. At the same time, it uh, if you follow the flat track line, it's definitely closer uh, to that area, kind of around the loop, uh, right there where I think we had the explosion. Um, so anyway, so that's something, uh, a little food for thought for you there. Thank you for sharing that uh, in chat as well. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, here's some of the footage of the, uh, the hurricane coming in right now. And here's uh, here's a little bit more. Uh, that was something in the eye of the storm. The next one is like when it was first kind of coming in. And they're talking about surges, yeah, up to uh, up to six feet. You can see some houses just basically like floating around and stuff like that. Uh, they've left their foundations essentially, uh, and it's looking like it's uh, like it's pretty bad to be honest. Very very bad. Very bad. All right, there you go. Some of the footage, at least from there, doesn't look good. <clears throat> and uh, what do you think? Is it uh, is it payback for uh, DeSantis shipping fifty uh, migrants from Florida to uh, Martha's Vineyard? Is that what we're, is that what we're looking at here? Was this was this the establishment using uh, using harp to like bombard and revenge? Uh, you know, try to screw over Florida. Uh, I, I don't know. Anything is uh, anything is possible at this point. Wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it past them. They were trying to investigate that as a crime. We've talked about that before, right? Uh, wouldn't be. <laughs> 
<laughs> wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised to be honest. All right. So <clears throat> check this out. Uh, crazy horse horse teeth. Uh, Jacinda Ardern, the PM from uh, New Zealand, uh, was in the United Nations where she was addressing the issue of mis and disinformation. As usual, of course, uh, but she was also talking at the same time about how we we love freedom of speech, right? But essentially, uh, it it that's 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 bad, right? We can't we can't really we have to be able to put down what we have labeled mis and disinformation. Uh, she said that it should be controlled like weapons of old, like guns and nukes. Listen to uh, her crazy speech here. This week, we launched an initiative alongside companies and nonprofits to help improve research and understanding of how a person's online experiences are curated by automated processes. This will also be important in understanding more about mis and disinformation online, a challenge that we must, as leaders, address. Sadly, I think it's easy to dismiss this problem as one in the margins. I can certainly understand the desire to leave it to someone else. As leaders, we're rightly concerned that even the most light-touch approaches to disinformation could be misinterpreted as being hostile to the values of free speech that we value so highly. Oh, yes, definitely. That's, uh, that's what you're known for, Jacinda. But while I cannot tell you today what the answer is to this challenge, I can say with complete certainty that we cannot ignore it. To do so poses an equal threat to the norms we all value. After all, how do you successfully end a war if people are led to believe the reason for its existence is not only legal but noble? How do you tackle climate change if people do not believe it exists? How do you ensure <laughs> the human rights of others are upheld when they are subjected to hateful and dangerous rhetoric and ideology? That's right. That's right. If it's, if it's hateful, well, we should be able to ban it right away. Of course. Makes sense. The weapons may be different. But, uh, but m free speech, though, of course. But the goals of those who perpetuate them is often the same. To cause chaos and reduce the ability of others to defend themselves. To disband communities. To collapse the collective strength of countries who work together. But we have an opportunity here to ensure that these particular weapons of war do not become an established part of warfare. In these times, I'm acutely aware of how easy it is to feel disheartened. We are facing many battles on many fronts. But there is cause for optimism, because for every new weapon we face, there is a new tool to overcome it. For every Artificial intelligence, right? Every attempt to push the world into chaos is a collective conviction to bring us back to order. We have the means. We just need the collective will. There you go. All right. Thank you, Jacinda, for uh, <coughs> revealing uh, what your uh, what your objectives is and what your um, what your true intent is here, right? Because I mean, we know this. this is what she's done during the pandemic. It's been absolutely insane to watch. And of course, while there have been they have been pushing their misinformation, their disinformation, which actually harms people. They're seeking to forcefully vaccinate people, lock them in their homes, put masks on them. They're screwing over their population at every turn. Uh, I, I think she's right. I think I think in fact we should uh, we should hold these people accountable for the information that they spread because we know that that's harmful. That's leading to hate. That's leading to violence and problems. And of course, this is as true in New Zealand as it is in the U.S. or other European countries as well. 
And remember the US the, the, the US program, so it was a, a good uh, one to mention uh, for those who are either new or can't recall these things. Under Obama, they actually repealed the, the one law that was on the books that was preventing uh, propaganda. For, I mean, they could have done it anyway. I get the point. But it was like this... It was like this open, like blatantly and openly just like, yep, let's do away with that and let's just, uh, uh, you know, sell all our garbage um, to, to our own pe- uh, people domestically. Now, internationally, they could still do this. Obviously, there was no law against that. They could, they could propagandize anybody. I would consider a Hollywood movie to be uh, <laughs> propaganda, of course, you know, being sold to, to other countries and stuff like that. Uh, it says here in that article, for decades, a so-called anti-propaganda law prevented the U.S. government's mammoth broadcasting arm from delivering programming to American audiences, but they did it, you know, to international audiences, of course. But on July 2nd, this is under Obama again, so a few years ago now, that came silently to an end with the implementation of a new reformed, uh, a new reform passed in January. The result, an unleashing of thousands of hours per week of propaganda-funded radio and TV programs for domestic U.S. consumption. So we know that we know we know what they're doing. We know what they're up to. This is not a this is same uh, tricks like they're always doing, right? <clears throat> so we should hold them accountable. In fact, and now they're criticizing us for, uh, for pushing back a little bit and immediately go. We should be able to arrest people that spread misinformation, right? Uh, Black Phillips says, uh, I was in a coffee shop this morning and overheard three shitlib women talking about the hurricane. They said the citizens of Florida deserve it because DeSantis and Trump don't believe in climate change. Yes, exactly. There you go. I, I think it's like let's uh, let's force them to to accept the issue of climate change by using this technology uh, at our disposal to push more energy into existing weather uh, you know systems and patterns, and 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 maybe that will convince them that the situation is really bad. I, I wouldn't put it past them to be honest. Um, it, we can't live with these people. They they hate us. There's no way of of of, of communicating with them. They're unreasonable. Uh, and, and what makes it worse is that they want to inflict things globally now. Changes sucking carbon out of the atmosphere, uh, dimming the sunlight. These are actually actual programs. They're now not only being discussed but actually being tested and implemented, so that we can be saved from global warming. The the, the damage that they might cause. From this, if these programs continue and are successful, is is just completely we have it's totally unknown to know uh, how how damaging that actually will be. It, it is absolutely insane, you know. All right, um, this this happened as well. A little bit more lighthearted stuff here, but um, actually no, this is the VK one. That's right. I wanted to show the where did that go? Oh, here it is. Here it is. That's right. Speaking of Apple, because it removed VK here, right? Check out this. This is two. <clears throat> this <laughs> this is two actual uh, push notifications that was sent out uh, to Apple users here uh, yesterday. Fast company <clears throat> quoting here: uh, "Niggers tongue my anus." Thrax was here. Two of them, I guess. Too exciting, interesting. Um, so they were hacked, and uh, that was one of the. <laughs> One of the consequences of it, and they swiftly removed that, and uh, and they said that uh, you know we we uh, we we this could never happen again, and it was kind of funny. But yeah, so uh, Apple actually did remove uh, VK, the Russian kind of one of the main uh, popular Russian social media apps. It's kind of like Facebook, but for the Russian audience. The move is in response to UX UK sanctions. 
Apple's Apple say. <clears throat> Apple has removed the iOS apps belonging to VK, the technology conglomerate behind Russia's version of Facebook called VContact, from its app store globally. In a translated statement on its website, VK said its apps are blocked by Apple, but it will continue to develop and support iOS applications. In response to an inquiry, how do you get them on? Can you, is there still a way you can get them on iOS uh, stuff? It's actually pretty good. I mean, it's like we put our videos on there for a while. We live stream, but now we're, you know, we're doing it to primarily uh, few, fewer sources. We can consolidate the audience a little bit. But it's, a, it's actually a very good, stable service, you know. But uh, So, of course, I got to fuck that over. I'm sure. I'm surprised Odyssey is on there still after some of the hit pieces there. I think BitChute has never gotten there approved. They had one on the Android store for a little bit. Uh, actually, it might still be there, BitSlide, uh, which is decent. Um, but no, they, they are removing any kind of ability for them to. Uh, uh, they're moving any kind of ability for them uh, to 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 get out information on social media platforms and other channels and other means and other platforms, sites and so forth. Uh, that is not one hundred percent controlled uh, by them, and that seems to be the strategy, right? All right. Oh, this is kind of funny, too. Well, I guess we'll end on a couple. I'm going to wrap up here soon. Actually, I have a little bit of a thing here a little bit later. That's why I did a little bit earlier. Check out this. This is kind of funny. Uh, we got to talk about uh, Italy, too, but a little more, uh, some more funny, funny clips here. <laughs> Let's just play it. Check, check out this, this subtitle here. Oh, I can't play it now? Oh, no. Let me turn off the, uh, let me turn off the shield, see if that helps. Okay, check this out. Subtitled. It's kind of funny, actually. Memory. They're, they're horrible, by the way. Horrible uh, shitting on us a while back. There's a Lebanese singer, Najawa Karim, on Lebanese <laughs> TV. خطباتو <laughs> 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 Yay! Onassis <laughs> for his money. Okay, so we're looking at here. a combination of Hitler, Richard Gere, Al Pacino, and uh, uh, well, she says Hugo, and then she says Shakespeare. That's kind of harder to pin down, I guess, in terms of uh, Shakespeare. Wasn't that many authors too, or something? Right? Uh, interesting. I can, can we get him? <laughs> can we get a, a combo? Like, can we, can't you put a number of pictures into like an, an AI generator that creates one face out of many or something like that? Uh, but yeah, so anyway, memory, they, they shit their pants over that. No, they, I mean, it's it's funny. Come on, you know. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Actually, from a while ago, but I saw it again earlier. Uh, this is what happened uh, over at uh, Vice after they tried to make a sympathetic piece uh, about a sex offender that they argued should be reintegrated into society and, and all that stuff. And uh, that's, that's, how, that's how the piece started. And then uh, this is how it ended. Hey. We all out here in this world, and we all got to make it happen. It ain't nothing stopping me. So, like, I'm very hopeful and confident. After this interview, Ashif sent a picture of his penis to our producer. 
<laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes sometimes, I guess, <clears throat> when you try to make uh, sympathetic pieces about sex offender. I guess uh, I think at least he wasn't a pedophile, but I'm, we're, we're waiting for that document. I'm sure there's been one actually already on Vice. They have had articles about it. Don't even not even joking about that. Let me see if I can find that Pedo- Vice pedophile. Let me see if I can find that real quick. They might, they, I might have it. It was something. I think it was a, the stigma around it or something like that. But anyway. Once a uh, dick pic sender, that's uh, that's uh, always going to be, I guess, right? All right, so uh, in the UK, I'll add some other development issues for you. Uh, since we've had a... Um, is it a revo- revolution in, in Iran? It's always hard to call it that because there's been so many gay ops and disruptions. Right from the toppling of the Shah, you know, from you know putting these puppets in place and stuff. It's happened in Iraq and stuff. Arab Spring seemed to have been more or less kind of some kind of gay op and stuff. So this could very well be that too. But you never know. It could be them who genuinely are sick of the government and they want to try to you know take them down or out or whatever. However, as we live in such wonderful multicultural diverse societies now in the West. Uh, this uh, this uh, battle, this demonstration, this riot and protest have now spread, of course, obviously, uh, to Western countries. And in the UK, there's specifically a bad problem with now Iranians, I guess, rioting and maybe those who are countering them. There's been cases in the West where there's people who still kind of defend and stand up for the current uh, leadership in Iran, but then other Iranians are go- like going after them and targeting them. This is like on par when we see like Kurds and Turks fighting in Germany, or uh, you know, we've had these riots, of course, between uh, Pakis and Hindus in Britain as well. This is just another level to it. It's like in- England is going down the tubes fast. Check out this here. A uh, little bit of footage here from uh, London, and I don't know exactly all the people involved. But I think that one is like a you know a regime puppet from Iran, I think, or a defender of it or something, and others are like attacking him, and they're attacking the cops too. By the way, look at this here. <laughs> truly, truly enriching here, folks. And of course, no, no guns on these cops or anything like that. I think they have a taser, but it's like, stop or I'll say stop again. I mean, the, the, the English Bobby has truly just like fallen. <laughs> it's just like, well, oh, oh, well, too bad. So sad. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the context here is. What, what has this guy done? Is he, is he defending the regime? Is he standing up for them? Is he, was he part of it, but he's fled to London? I, I, I'm not sure if someone has details, tell me in chat, but anyway, this, regardless, there's like fucking Iranian issues now, like being battled out on the streets of London. And of course, like the UK police have to like try to sort this situation out. They're being attacked by them. 
Are, are they going to go after these people like they went after the, the people who protested lockdowns and stuff? Hardly. I doubt it. Are they going to go after these people the same way they go after Facebook posters or posting a, a mean meme on the internet? Hardly. No, they look at that. They flee. Tail between their legs, fleeing, just running away. Fucking hell. Yeah, someone said maybe he raped a child that wasn't uh, that wasn't British. Maybe that's why they're they're going after. So I don't know, but I I, I think it's related to the Iranian uh, protest. Here's a little bit more on that. They're out fighting. Check this out. London, September twenty fifth, twenty fourteen. What a shit show, huh? Holy crap. Yeah, it truly is beginning to look like Children of Men. Do you guys remember that scene where, like, they do the, the long, like, you know, one-shot... Uh, maybe there's many of those in the movie, but, like, going through the protests and stuff, and, like... Uh, and they still, in the movie, try to portray, like, UK is a racist uh, Nazi country for not letting everybody in, right? Everyone's, you know, uh, lining up at the border, essentially, to coming to the UK. Hugely overpopulated. It's just, like... Uh, like Mujahideen style, like, you know, our armies, Arab armies are forming and they're like walking and marching through the streets and with their weapons and shit like that. And they're just not doing anything. All right. So uh, one of the last things here we'll cover, I think, is the situation in Italy. Uh, as I said, look out for the uh, two-parter with American Krogan going up uh, a little bit later here today. Uh, on the websites and on our channels. We talked about Maloney in the second part, and obviously we have some criticisms of her, but that doesn't mean that it's not a good uh, uh, trend. It doesn't mean it's not going in the right direction. Uh, she has said some good things. She has also said some uh, not so good things, and in some cases it feels like she's kind of um, maybe trying to defuse uh, the pressure against her a little bit by responding to accusations and stuff like that, right? He's, she should already have to de de denounce and deal with, like, fascist and neo-fascist accusations and stuff, and I don't think she is anywhere near any of that. Uh, but she's decent on some uh, some issues, to be honest. Uh, here's one of them. Uh, she's talking about Ima Emmanuel Macron, uh, and I think she's approaching this exactly in the right way, right? Now, she brings up what, what France is doing in Africa, but at least she's twisting it kind of at the end of that, that the reasoning is like, it's just kind of like just back out and just leave them alone kind of thing. And I think that's a very good approach to do. I don't think you're going to win over anybody by, by arguing that like we should, uh, I, I don't know what, invade Africa and or take their stuff or something, you know, whatever it is, right? But... Some people say, "Well, just don't bring it up. Why are you cucking? Try to you know look out for Africa." But I think it's I think it's a at this stage it's a pretty decent strategy of like saying, "Hey, look, um, they 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 have their problems and stuff, but it's it's worse with Europeans involved. So let's just pull out of that and let them do their stuff. We do our shit." And and she's spinning it into immigration too, which is very good. So, so take a look at this here, it's subtitle here. But she's talking about Macron because he's like, "Oh my God, Italy! They're electing a fascist! Oh my God! Look at this! What she says here." Emmanuel Macron. Emmanuel Macron 
I can read this. Emmanuel Macron describes us as disgusting, cynics, and irresponsible. And here the Italian press began to ask, did you hear what Macron said about us? He's, he said we're irresponsible. What a shame. The irresponsible Emmanuel Macron are those who bombed Libya because they were concerned that Italy would obtain important energy concessions with Gaddafi. Based and left us facing the chaos of illegal immigration we are now facing. Well, it's just, it's legal immigration too, but whatever. The cynics Emmanuel Macron are the French who sent the, uh, their army's uh, police to return any immigrants trying to cross the border. It went the Megilia, I guess it's the, the crossroads between Italy and France. And most of all, and because things have to be said right, disgusting, she says here, let's see if it continues. Yeah, has to be said right. This disgusting is France that continues to exploit Africa by printing money to 14 African countries, charging, charging them mint fees. Are they doing that? Is that still? But wait for it. This is, a, this is a pretty good twist here at the end. And by child labor in the mines and by extracting raw materials, as it happening in Niger. Niger. All right, you know, whoop you do. Where France extracts 30% of the uranium, it needs to run its nuclear reactors, while 90% of Niger's population lives without electricity. Don't come teach us a, a lesson, Macron. The Africans are abandoning, abandoning their continent because of you. The solution is not to transfer Africans to Europe, but to liberate Africa from some Europeans. We will not accept lessons from you. Is that clear, she says. I think that's a pretty good... Is there more here? I think that's a pretty good twist to the situation, to be honest. Um, you're not. I don't think you're going to win over any kind of mass movement in Europe at this point by like saying, you know, she, I'm not saying uh, could she have been brought up the other stuff about like exploiting Africa because because it's part of the same set of uh, talking points that the left uses, you know, in, in their narrative against uh, us as Europeans, you know, our colonialist past and all that stuff. But if if you spin it in that way, it's not that bad to be honest. You spin it by saying, like, look, they're intentionally making it worse, leading to the migration. And look, you could even argue that that's part of, like, actually Macron and the EU's plan and shit like that. They, they've talked about that. There are people lobbying, for example, the Irish government. They're like, we have to be, we have to be uh, ready to accept hundreds of millions of uh, migrants and refugees from Africa. And they're going to they're gonna give us new energy and reinvigorate an olding and dying population in Europe, right? It's the Bono guy. I forget what it is. He's behind the one campaign. Uh, he, he's that he, this guy was he, I forget his name. He's heading it up uh, with Bono, but he's there talking to the Irish government, and of course, people in Macron himself. You know, he goes to Africa. He, he seems to be favoring Africans, in fact, over his own French population. You potentially could argue that the mismanagement partially is intentional, creating problems, and that's causing the wave of refugees in order to get the re you know replacement agenda to kind of go through. Uh, but anyway, so so it's you know maybe not 100, percent but it's it's a good start. Now she did say some stuff that was not good a while back. Check what he sh she said about the Green Pass. Um, not good at all. Look at this. I'm thinking, for example, let me let me go back. I can read that to you guys too. I'm thinking, for example, of the theme of the digital green certificate. Remember, this was one of the issues in in Italy, the the green pass, right? 
She says, we were the first to support it. We hope it will be adopted as soon as possible in a horizon of total re reciprocity with all European state is a, it is a priority and it is essential to restore freedom of movement and above all to restart tourism. I obviously want to say hello and I go to the continued representative of the hell. What, what is that? Sounded, I wanted to, I obviously want to say hello and I go to the conclusion maybe the translation is a bit wonkier, uh, representatives of the health professions. Uh, you know, Vitality Italia was in favor of that for health professionals, doctors, and for all vaccinators. And we get the point. I don't think that's mistranslated. You never know. But uh, I think that could be actually what she, <laughs> what she did say about it. Whoops. What happened with the Green Pass anyway? Did they? I remember seeing massive amounts of protest against it. Um, I think they did implement something similar, to be honest. Uh, and I remember Denmark was Denmark is going in this direction too, and I mean it's even the COVID thing kind of initiated it, and it was being used as an excuse. But even now, with it or without it, um, they seem to move move ahead in this direction anyway. Denmark's new digital ID system risks risks locking some people out of society. Uh, there was a new system introduced. This is last week. Then this week. They introduced a new digital system, MIT ID, that became the default on September 22nd. However, there are concerns that the rushed phase-off of the previous system, NEM ID, is that as I would assume that as as bad then, will have a negative impact on Danes that do not own smartphones and the digital are and are digitally illiterate. I guess Danes will need to use the MIT ID system to access financial and government services. When accessing services like tax filings, they will need to be, uh, they will be prompted to use the MIT ID app to generate a code for secure access. The new, sorry, the NEM ID system also had a mobile app, but had alternatives for those without smartphones, including a physical code booklet and a handheld code generator. There are alternatives to the MIT ID, uh, MIT ID app, uh, but Finance Denmark, their financial sector there. Um, which runs the system in collaboration with Denmark's Agency for Digitalization, or Digitization rather, said that those alternatives will not be available until next year. Finance Denmark Director of Digitization Mikkel Busk Jepsen told local outlet Politiken that the situation is regrettable and explained that the code displayer and code reader has unfortunately proven uh, to need a larger amount of analysis work than we originally anticipated. The lack of offline solutions will be a problem because digital IDs are required for online shopping in Denmark. Really? Oh, that, that's right. They have... I remember that now. That's right. We had something kind of similar in Sweden. If you want to use your... Uh, no, no, that was not it. It was just a code generator. That's right. Okay, well, they, they've probably mo moved over to that right now, too. Um, concludes here. The NEM ID will no longer be used for online shopping from October 31st, thousands of Danes could be left without access to online stores, including grocery stores. Holy shit. Fucking ex incredible. So they're moving ahead even, even with or without the COVID pandemic. It, it set a lot of things in swing, that's for sure. Lycan Warrior says, uh, you must accept your enrichment, bigot. <laughs> that's right. That's how it goes. Thank you, uh, Lycan. All right. I think we're going to wrap up right there, guys. We're a little bit... Um, early, if you will, today. But uh, we appreciate you. 
Uh, Midnight Sun says once an independent investigation proves that the Nord Stream pipelines were sabotaged by the CIA for U.S.-sponsored dark ops, will any European nation side with Russia or are NATO members too controlled by the West to stand up uh, and do what is right? This cannot stand. I would hope that uh, governments that go a little bit more center-right even, uh, as, as you know, it's not ideal or whatever, but... I don't know. I mean, I, you, you'd hope that someone like Meloni in Italy uh, or if Sweden Democrats have enough sway over the government formed in Sweden now after the election, forming a right block, you know, center right block, that they, at, I mean, they're, they're pro-NATO. Don't get me wrong. Sweden Democrats, like the one issue that they could have like gone against all that stuff on. They, they, they didn't. They folded on that. Right. So that's like shit. You know, I'm just saying I wish that these governments would would do something. I think they're most likely to be in a position to do something about it. Uh, but the question is if they will. NATO has sunk their teeth so deep in many of these countries right now. I would like to see a NATO uh, an, an, an exit or Nazik, whatever that would be called. And a NATO exit, essentially, uh, would be a great movement, to be honest, because, of course, we're not more secure with it. We're more insecure uh, with it. And it's going to cause probably higher chance that we're going to go into a bigger global conflict uh, as more uh, nations that NATO gobbles up, to be honest. Um, thank you, Midnight Sun. Appreciate that. Okay. Anyway, guys, we're going to wrap up right there. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thank you to all the members out there. If you want to uh, sign up over there at redicemembers.com, we appreciate you. Uh, we want uh, you to be a, become a member and get access to some of the material that we have over there for you. Uh, Weekend Warrior, second hour of many of our interviews, other exclusive videos just for members. Uh, check it out. It's only 10 bucks a month if you sign up for a month-to-month -month recurring. We have uh, a one-time payment you can make as well. On some with some different uh, methods and we have subs from three months up to two years uh, if you get a one-time payment one and that is uh at, guess as cheap as six bucks fifty cents per month if you get a two-year one so that can definitely be worth it to look into that option you can use subscribeshow.com slash red ice as well uh, if you want to sign up month to month we have a couple of different tiers there available i'll uh, talk about that in a moment you can also sign up over at entropystream.live slash red ice tv uh, they have both a month-to-month -month recurring and also a one-time payment option. We do have a cash app. We have an e-check option if you're in the U.S. We do accept crypto. And, of course, we have a mailing address as well. Always remember to send us an email, redice at protomail.com. Uh, when you've signed up, let us know what your username is, and we'll activate your account ASAP. We appreciate your uh, support. Thank you to our executive producers here today as well. T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt. We also have Good Luck Lap, Jake. Red Pill Rundown, Shocky Milk, Wild Rose Active Club, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, and President Ubunga. Uh, we also have uh, our latest edition. I think this is the name they're going by. Three-fifths, uh, Combromise. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Uh, and we also have a producer, Mr. Walker 696. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, if you want to check that out, we're seeking to get about 20 or so executive producers in order to hire a full-time editor here at Red Ice in order to help us produce uh, more stuff, do it a bit better, get some more uh, cutouts and clips from longer streams and shows. Uh, there is never an end to the work that uh, can and should be done around here. So if you want to put some uh, effort and resources uh, our way to help us get a full-time editor, uh, please consider signing up for a producer or executive producer tier over at subscribestar.com forward slash Red Ice. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. 
All right, we'll be back with more here soon. Uh, again, heads up on the interview coming up here a little bit later. And then, of course, on Friday, we have Flashback Friday coming back as usual. Uh, we are, I think we're going to have a guest host uh, this week as well. Uh, but it will still be plenty to talk about, as always. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Take care, everybody. Much love to all of you. Thank you for your support. And thank you to everyone super chatting as well. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Do you love Red Eyes? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Eyes membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews, and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like red ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.